Chapter Thirty Five of the Adventures of Tom Sawyer by Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Thirty Five: A New Order of Things. Poor Huck. New Adventures Planned. The reader may rest satisfied that Tom and Huck's windfall made a mighty stir in the poor little village of St. Petersburg. So vast a sum, all in actual cash, seemed next to incredible. It was talked about, gloated over, glorified, until the reason of many of the citizens tottered under the strain of the unhealthy excitement. Every haunted house in St. Petersburg and the neighboring villages was dissected, plank by plank, and its foundations dug up and ransacked for hidden treasure, and not by boys, but men, pretty grave, unromantic men, too, some of them. Wherever Tom and Huck appeared, they were courted, admired, stared at. The boys were not able to remember that their remarks had possessed weight before, but now their sayings were treasured and repeated. Everything they did seemed somehow to be regarded as remarkable. They had evidently lost the power of doing and saying commonplace things. Moreover, their past history was raked up and discovered to bear marks of conspicuous originality. The village paper published biographical sketches of the boys. The widow Douglas put Huck's money out at six per cent, and Judge Thatchett did the same with Tom's at Aunt Polly's request. Each lad had an income now that was simply prodigious a dollar for every weekday in the year and half of the Sundays. It was just what the minister got. No, it was what he was promised. He generally couldn't collect it. A dollar and a quarter a week would board, lodge, and school a boy in those old simple days, and clothe him and wash him too, for that matter. Judge Thatcher had conceived a great opinion of Tom. He said that no commonplace boy would ever have got his daughter out of the cave. When Becky told her father, in strict confidence, how Tom had taken her whipping at school, the judge was visibly moved, and when she pleaded grace for the mighty lie which Tom had told in order to shift that whipping from her shoulders to his own, the judge said with a fine outburst that it was a noble, a generous, a magnanimous lie a lie that was worthy to hold up its head and march down through history breast to breast with george washington's lauded truth about the hatchet becky thought her father had never looked so tall and so superb as when he walked the floor and stamped his foot and said that she went straight off and told tom about it judge thatcher hoped to see tom a great lawyer or a great soldier some day he said he meant to look to it that Tom should be admitted to the National Military Academy, and afterward trained at the best law school in the country, in order that he might be ready for either career, or both. Huck Finn's wealth, and the fact that he was now under the widow Douglas's protection, introduced him into society. No, dragged him into it, hurled him into it, and his sufferings were almost more than he could bear. The widow's servants kept him clean and neat, combed and brushed, and they bedded him nightly in unsympathetic sheets that had not one little spot or stain which he could press to his heart and know for a friend. 
he had to eat with a knife and fork he had to use napkin cup and plate he had to learn his book he had to go to church he had to talk so properly that speech was become insipid in his mouth whithersoever he turned the bars and shackles of civilization shut him in and bound him hand and foot he bravely bore his miseries three weeks and then one day turned up missing for forty-eight hours the widow hunted for him everywhere in great distress the public were profoundly concerned they searched high and low they dragged the river for his body early the third morning tom sawyer wisely went poking among some old empty hogsheads down behind the abandoned slaughter-house and in one of them he found the refugee huck had slept there he had just breakfasted upon some stolen odds and ends of food and was lying off now in comfort with his pipe he was unkempt uncombed and clad in the same old ruin of rags that had made him picturesque in the days when he was free and happy tom routed him out told him the trouble he had been causing and urged him to go home huck's face lost its tranquil content and took a melancholy cast he said don't talk about it tom i've tried it and it don't work it don't work tom it ain't for me i ain't used to it the widder's good to me and friendly but i can't stand them ways she makes me get up just at the same time every morning she makes me wash they comb me all to thunder she won't let me sleep in the woodshed i got to wear them blamed clothes that just smothers me tom they don't seem to any air get through em somehow and they're so rotten nice that i can't set down nor lay down nor roll around anywheres i hain't slid on a cellar door for well it appears to be years i got to go to church and sweat and sweat i hate them ornery sermons i can't catch a fly in there i can't chaw i got to wear shoes all sunday the widder eats by a bell she goes to bed by a bell she gets up by a bell everything's so awful reg'lar a body can't stand it well everybody does that way huck tom it don't make no difference i ain't everybody and i can't stand it it's awful to be tied up so and grub comes too easy i don't take no interest in vittles that way i got to ask to go a-fishing i got to ask to go in a-swimming Durned if i hain't got to ask to do everything well i'd got to talk so nice it wasn't no comfort i'd got to go up in the attic and rip out a while every day to get a taste in my mouth or i'd a died tom the widder wouldn't let me smoke she wouldn't let me yell she wouldn't let me gape nor stretch nor scratch before folks then with a spasm of special irritation and injury and dad fetch it she prayed all the time i never see such a woman i had to shove tom i just had to and besides that school's going to open and i'd a had to go to it well i couldn't stand that tom looky here tom being rich ain't what it's cracked up to be it's just worry and worry and sweat and sweat and a wishing you was dead all the time now these clothes suits me and this barrel suits me and i ain't ever going to shake em any more tom i wouldn't ever got into this trouble if it hadn't a been for that money now you just take my share of it along with yourn and give me a ten center sometimes not many times cause i don't give a dern for a thing thout it's too tolable hard to git 
and you go and beg off for me with the widder. Oh, Huck, you know I can't do that. Tain't fair. And besides, if you'll try this thing just a while longer, you'll come to like it. Like it? Yes, the way I'd like a hot stove if I was to set on it long enough. No, Tom, I won't be rich, and I won't live in them cussed smothery houses. I like the woods and the river and hogsheads, and I'll stick to em too. Blame it all, just as we'd get guns and a cave, and all just fixed to rob, here this dern foolishness has got to come up and spile it all. Tom saw his opportunity. Look a here, Huck. Being rich ain't gonna keep me back from turning robber. No. Oh, good licks. Are you in real deadwood earnest, Tom? Just as dead earnest as I'm sitting here. But, Huck, we can't let you into the gang if you ain't respectable, you know. Huck's joy was quenched. Can't let me in, Tom? Didn't you let me go for a pirate? Yes, but that's different. A robber's more high-toned than what a pirate is, as a general thing. In most countries, they're awful high up in the nobility, dukes and such. Now, Tom, hain't you always been friendly to me? You wouldn't shut me out, would you, Tom? You wouldn't do that now, would you, Tom? Huck, I wouldn't want to, and I don't want to. But what would people say? Why, they'd say, hm, Tom Sawyer's gang. Pretty little characters in it. They'd mean you, Huck. You wouldn't like that, and I wouldn't. Huck was silent for some time, engaged in a mental struggle. Finally, he said, "'Well, I'll go back to the Witter for a month and tackle it and see if I can come to stand it, if you'll let me belong to the gang, Tom.' "'All right, Huck, it's a whiz. Come long, old chap, and I'll ask the Witter to let up on you a little, Huck.' "'Will you, Tom? Now, will you? That's good. If she'll let up on some of the roughest things, I'll smoke private and cuss private and crowd through or bust. When you going to start the gang and turn robbers?' "'Oh, right off. We'll get the boys together and have the initiation tonight, maybe. Have the which? Have the initiation. What's that? It's to swear to stand by one another and never tell the gang's secrets, even if you're chopped all the flinders, and kill anybody in all of his family that hurts one of the gang. That's gay. That's mighty gay, Tom, I tell you. Well, I bet it is. And all that swearing's got to be done at midnight, in the lonesomest, awfulest place you can find. A haunted house is the best. They're all ripped up now. Well, midnight's good anyway, Tom. Yes, so it is. And you've got to swear on a coffin and sign it with blood. Now that's something like. Why, it's a million times bullier than pirating. I'll stick to the witter till I rot, Tom, and if I get to be a regular ripper of a robber and everybody talking about it, I reckon she'll be proud she snaked me in out of the wet. End of chapter 35